Welcome to Discover Grace Podcast, a podcast made for finding God's grace in a disgraceful world. Youth pastors Garrett Lamb and Dalton Dickerson will be discussing practical truths and convicting topics from God's Word. Join us in striving together to build a stronger love for God and love for others. Welcome to Discover Grace Podcast. It's your host, Garrett Lamb, here with Dalton Dickerson. And uh, we are privileged to have my dad back on for a second part of the interview. And uh, we are glad to have you on here, Dad. Thank you. I appreciate y'all letting me come back. Um, I'm hoping this isn't one where we ask you the easy questions first. Now we're setting you up for the kill. (laughs) Yeah, you actually just hit a certain amount of views. So we allowed you to come back. That was what it was. Oh, oh, thank you. (laughs) I tried I tried to get all three of my friends to listen so we could get it up to free. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, we've got about four listeners, me, Dalton, and both for our wives. No, <laughs> so well, we're glad to have you back on, Dad. And uh, we just want to hop right back into the questions and uh, kind of just start right off. And uh, next question I had for you, Dad, um, with being in ministry all these years, um, if you could go back and, and tell yourself um, when you first started ministry a piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think two things. Well, one thing in particular. Early in the ministry, you you kind of want to do it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. At least I did. Uh, if I could go back and redo my ministry, I would uh, do a little more what Christ did, uh, pour himself into other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, though, it takes a bit of wisdom uh, to know who to invest in. You know, Paul reminded uh, Timothy, uh, the same things commit out of faithful men. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes a while to see who that is. I invested in some that that uh, didn't pan out, but um, then you t- kind of get where, you know, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to, I'm going to keep winning people to Christ, bringing them in. Uh, that'd be the one thing. The other is just to rely more, or, or maybe I should say to make more of Christ. Um, I don't feel like I've, I've failed in that area, but I, I also feel like I, I could have done better in that area is, uh, you know, so often we we uh, really, I won't say promote ourselves, but but we just don't reflect back to Christ. You know, everything we have is because of Him. Mm-hmm. Everything we accomplish is because of Him. You know, and it's uh, whether you, I know both both of you played basketball. Whether it's your athletic achievements when you're young, your scholastic ability, uh, the older you get, you realize more and more that it was that it was all of Him. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe part of that's because there are certain things you lose, you know, you get to be my age. You don't have your athleticism like you did when you're younger, you don't lose all of it, but it, it certainly begins to, to tail off a little bit. And, um, the same thing with, with ministry, you know, whatever ministry he gives you, it, it really is a him and it's for him. So I uh, definitely think there needs to be a, an emphasis. If we get back, if you, if you look at the, the old, I call it the old timers. Now, I'm not talking about the ones <clears throat> that were alive during my generation, but if you go back a generation before that and read there, uh, you read Tozer, you read some of those men, uh, boy, they had a keen awareness all the time of, of, of him. Mm-hmm. And um, really their ministry was just a, a result of them wanting to promote him. And, and to me, that's something we need to get back to. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I know that 
I can get that way many a times where I feel like if I go out and, and do all the soul winning and I go out and knock so many doors, you know, it's going to be a, a good result, but we have to get back to the foundation of Christ. And I know I felt like that a lot in college and I'm sure you did too, Dalton. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, even the last part of the interview uh, that we just released a while back and listeners, if you haven't listened to that, I would definitely advise you to go back and listen to the first interview we have with Pastor Lamb. Uh, but he said something that was really good. I went back, Garrett, and uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Lamb listened to it. Um, and you made a good statement about um, a lot of times ministry in the beginning is a lot about uh, me, you know, a lot about the person doing the ministering instead of other people. Um, now, if, if you could, you know, maybe the, whether it be someone on your staff now, Pastor, or maybe uh, looking back at yourself, is there something that you're really looking for or maybe uh, that you really want your staff members to get a hold of, or maybe an, an attribute or a characteristic that you really want them to to work on and get better at? Well, once they come on staff, of course, what you're looking for before you hire them is uh, you're looking to hire character. Um, you know, I never never tried to hire talent. Um, and with that said, then I always <clears throat> really spent a, a great deal of time, you know, uh, praying about it, who God would have me to hire. Sometimes if I didn't hire somebody, it just, all they could say was, I just didn't believe it was God's will. But my big thing, most young, uh, uh, in fact, in every case, staff I've hired, I feel like my first thing is to teach them to truly have a walk with God and to give them the time to do it. Um, Sometimes a young man will get hired on as a staff member and he really becomes the two, the go-to guy you know, mm-hmm. uh, go do this, go do that. And, um, and, and many times they're anxious to prove themselves. I was, when I went to Tennessee, I was anxious to, to prove myself, to be a help, to be a blessing. And uh, yet my walk with the Lord uh, kind of suffered. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad, but I did improve upon it. And it's something we have to improve upon all the time. Um, so I try to, uh, for example, brother Judah worked for me for 13 years you know, I took him aside and, and each staff member I have, you learn a little more what you can do, but I, but I basically blocked a set amount of time every day and said, look, this is a time you spend with the Lord. Just like, you know, oftentimes churches are good about, you know, we want you to go soul winning so many hours or some fellows are very rigid. In fact, you know, you're going to visit X amount of hours, make so many new calls. And I'm not opposed to that, but I think there we lack is, is helping them develop that relationship with the Lord. It, it, it's going to sound redundant, but so many answers really come back to the Lord. You know, God's almighty. He's all-knowing. And, mm-hmm. and we, it, if we don't join ourselves to him, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to be a co-labor. Well, it, it, it's one thing to say he wants to be a co-labor, but it's another thing to join with him. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think as well as what, what you've said is great. And that kind of ties into the next question. Um, sometimes as, as preachers, we can almost seem like everything's always okay, but we know that, you know, preachers are human like anybody else and they can get in spiritual ruts. Um, so talk about a little bit, not only just a, a regular layman in the church or somebody that just is a churchgoer, but also preachers, um, they can get in those spiritual ruts. What's some ways that, um, dad, that you've, you've found at work to get out of that spiritual rut? Well, it, um, again, like I said, I'm going to sound like every answer is the same. Um, but partly the biggest thing is when I'm in a spiritual rut, it goes back. I'm usually trying to do too much myself. 
mm-hmm. um, and and not recognizing the ministry. It, it, the ministry came from him, belongs to him, has to be about him. And somewhere along the line, for example, you know, all of a sudden uh, in the teen ministry, it can happen very quickly. You can have a, a large class of young people, seniors, maybe seven, eight seniors, and all of a sudden your youth group is now smaller. Mm-hmm. Well, the pride side of someone never wants to admit, you know, it's almost like, well, you didn't succeed if you're running less. Well, actually, if they went off to train and they're going to serve God and they're going to mission field, I would say you succeeded. But you're not always going to have the same number of juniors, you know, sophomores, freshmen as you did seniors. And so uh, sometimes you put stress on yourself by just sheer numbers or marks that we tend to set as goals. You know, this this is this is how people define my success. Um, We have to define our success, first of all, by did I please him? Did I do what he wanted me to do? You know, at the end of the day, when today's over, did I do today what God wanted me to do? Uh, but to get out of a rut, um, partly um, when I was first in the ministry, I would get in a rut sometimes because I was pressing it too hard. Uh, and, and when I say pressing it too hard, our church grew very quickly. We went from 31 the first Sunday, 171 on my first anniversary. We never went dipped under that. And um, mm-hmm. But at some point, I had to come to grips with the fact, how much is enough? And I think everybody does. In other words, I think God made all of us to handle a certain capacity. For example, we understand that in a home, mm-hmm. you know, whether you all have one child, five children, a dozen, you know, whether you give the Duggars and the Bates <laughs> a run for their money, you know, you'll know at some point this is, and, and your wife will know, you know, this is, this is what we can handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the ministry though, somebody has convinced us, that we're only successful if we constantly, constantly grow. Mm-hmm. You know, the success of a youth group, it more so than even a church, is not just how many you keep, it's how many you send out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how many, how many go on to train for the Lord? Mm-hmm. How many go on to, you know, to, um, it, that's, that was the biggest problem. The Church of Acts grew like crazy. But God basically stepped in and said, look, you don't understand. I didn't, I, I don't want you just to have this one mega church in Jerusalem. I want you to carry the gospel around the world. Mm-hmm. And so he allowed the persecution to come to divide them up, to take the gospel into all parts of the world. The other rut is we just get busy. Uh, at some point, there are parts of your ministry you have to let go of. When I first came, after I ate lunch every day, I went soul winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only the evenings, Monday evening, I normally tried to, to be at home. And this would have been before you you came along, Garrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, one evening I was home, but uh, Wednesday night, of course, was church. Thursday was soul winning. Friday I had a date, but the other nights I was out. But every afternoon I was out. Well, there came a point where I could not take care of everything at church and still be out soul winning that much. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a pastor now, I go soul winning every week, but I can't put in the hours I did years ago because you you grow your ministry where you have other things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to counsel people. You got to take care of them. You got to go to the hospitals, um, and and so you get in a rut sometimes when you try to hang on to everything and keep it the way that it was. Um, and and what ends up happening oftentimes a fellow if he's driven, 
he'll go soul winning that same number of hours, but he, he, what has to give us his prayer life or his walk with the Lord. Um, many men that started out well uh, ended up, you know, not, it didn't end well for them because they, the first thing they gave up was their, their time with the Lord. Yeah. There's a, a preacher, if I called his name right now, you'd know his name. He was very well known, very talented, his uh, uh, very famous family, and he was incredibly, incredibly gifted. He ended up messing up his life, and I saw him several years later mm. and um, in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, I just went over to him and thanked him for his contribution to me and my life, and uh, he said, well, you probably you know, have heard um, I said, well, I've heard things, but I don't need to know anything. Said, And he said, no, you need to know. And what he went on to tell me was not what he did wrong from the standpoint of here's, here's the things I did that messed up that, that, uh, that brought me down. He said, brother Mike, it all started when my ministry grew quick. And he said, more and more, I had less time with the Lord. Hmm. And he said, eventually, you know, I was, I was running hard and fast but I, what I didn't have was time in my time with God. And so I find when I get in a rut, I stop, whether I'm discouraged because of people, whether I'm, you know, things aren't going the way that I want them to several things. One is I always check off whose ministry is this, you know, COVID every pastor I think is there. Um, it can be discouraging that your church is not as, you know, you're not running what you were prior to COVID, you know, no, and some of our churches were coming back good and, and strong, but it, it, you don't like to go backwards uh, in attendance. So you ask yourself, but wait a minute, you know, am I doing what the Lord wants me to do? Check. Okay. Am I walking with him? Check. Did I go soul winning? Check. And and that gets me out of the rut to know that mm -hmm. what I did pleased him. Yeah. You've heard me say it many times, Garrett. You know, I, I decided years ago because I was, I was better known in the area and, and before I got saved, Dalton, I, I did like most folks. I, I was living life, but it was about me, my name, and all the rest of that. But I became very torn because of the expectations. I was trying to meet too many people's expectations. And after I got saved, I realized all you have to do is please God. And that, that mm -hmm. gets you out of the rut. You know, if, if you can go through the checklist and ask yourself, uh, you'll find that there'll be a constant adjustment in your ministry. For example, you're both newly married, you know, well, there's going to be an adjustment when you have a family, you know, and as you have more children, you got to make an adjustment as your church grows, you have to make an adjustment. But as you make those adjustments, what happens is a lot of things get a little less time. Um, sermon preparation takes more time after you've been somewhere 35 years, you know, to be fresh, to be preaching something. So you, you got to give it time. But the main thing is, if I can go back and, and know that what I did today was what God wanted me to do. I didn't waste my time, didn't play around. Um, then, then you, you find your satisfaction from him. Yeah. Amen. Those are a lot of, a lot of good things you talked about pastor. Uh, and, and you talked about uh, your, your time soul winning. You spent some afternoons going out and giving out the, the gospel door to door, or maybe uh, just going up to others and, and uh, showing them the gospel. Is there um is there, is there a way that, that you try to, I don't know about you, Garrett or, or pastor, but sometimes I, I try to have a, I have a conflict between giving out the gospel and then sometimes, you know, like with COVID, you know, if they're wearing a mask, it's, you know, should I approach them? Should I not? Is there a way to, 
to be focused on, you know, okay, do I, am I concerned about their soul or do I want to have a good, you know, reputation in the community? It, I don't know if that question made any sense, but have you faced that at all with, with this COVID going around or and oh, how have you dealt with that? Well, it goes back to policing him, Dalton. Um, you know, it was a big conflict. Uh, there was a little time we shut down our soul winning. And um, to be honest with you, I felt like I was disobedient to the Lord. God gave me a clear mandate, you know, whether there's COVID, not COVID, you know, we, t we admire people on the mission field that are in countries where it's illegal for them to assemble together. And yet they do it anyhow, because they love God so much. Amen. So I, I felt like I was definitely disobedient. When I started going back out, I carried my mask with me. And uh, what I found very quickly was uh, I would ask folks, you know, if you, if you want me to put this on, uh, actually when I started, I had it on and I would pull it down and I'd say, do you mind if I pull this down? And they, they said, no, but what I found and have found is since COVID people are more receptive to the gospel than they were prior to COVID because they're scared for their life. They know if they haven't had it, they know they could get it tomorrow and be dead within a couple of days. And so we have found that people are, are very open, um, I think there's a part of us that ought to always be concerned. How are we um, perceived in the community? You know, we want to, we want to represent Christ, but Christ didn't set out to make a bad name for himself, you know, but at the end of the day, if me obeying him, you know, makes me, you know, um, if that, if that gives me bad, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bad reputation in the community. Uh, Dr. House said this years ago, if people dislike you because of your position, that's okay, as long as they don't dislike you because of your disposition. So we ought to be kind, thoughtful, but we have to be obedient to the Lord at the end of the day. And I think you you all as young men are going to face a different America. Uh, we have Dr. David Gibbs uh, with us tomorrow all day. I was talking to Brother Gibbs for a while on the phone yesterday, and, and he was just talking about the, the newest lawsuits they see coming up all the time are people suing um, overgiving the gospel, you know, it, it, you can say Jesus, um, if you trust Jesus Christ, your savior, then, you know, that you can go to heaven, but what they're getting mad about and what they're training people to target is anyone who says he's the only way. Mm -hmm. And of course we know he is the only way he declared that in John 14, six, yeah. but, um, I, th all that to say, I think for you all, your walk with the Lord is so critical and for any Christian now that's listening, your walk is so critical because you have got to ask yourself what pleases God. You know, COVID opened a whole new area for me. I had to make some decisions. We did not shut down, but I had to decide would I shut down and, uh, you know, how much, how much leeway does the government have? Not what the Constitution says. For me to be obedient to Christ, and of course, I came to some decisions that um, I think everybody has to. One is I didn't believe the state should tell us when and where we have church any more than I would a church member or anyone else. That's up to God. And uh, the other is our worship. You know, I decided we would sing regardless, um, because to me, that's as, that's very much a biblical mandate. Um, and the same thing with our witnessing. We would witness, you know, if I was the only one that went out, that's fine. But I was going to go out and uh, and witness to people. But like always, when we obey, oftentimes we find God blesses greatly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a biblical model of what you said, Dad. And and for those of you that are listening, obviously we're not a political podcast, but um, you have to you have to put your Christian beliefs and your Christian liberties above American liberties and beliefs and the political yes. view out there. Um, Absolutely. Because the government can tell you, you know, anything that we're not allowed to do, but if it oversees, you know, what what Christ has mandated from us, then we have to follow Christ. You know, I'm an American through and through. I know you are, Dad, and, and Dalton, you are as well. But um, we have to make sure that Christ is number one and not our American heritage, <laughs> because we can see slowly our our country is changing those things, and we have to stand strong on what's biblical. And I think that was a great way to put that, Dad. Um, but one, one question I have left for you on this podcast is um, just, I know, obviously I'm, I have more of an insight than, than other people would growing up in your home. Um, but many of the people that are listening on the podcast wouldn't know all of the trials that you've went through um, just through all of your ministry and, and through your adulthood dad with, with just having a son with spina bifida and, and uh, our, our, my sister, your daughter, that was with uh, Cliff Pallet. Um, you know, our mom, my mom, your, your wife that had a brain tumor, just different trials that you had to deal with during your ministry, um, that at the time, obviously you didn't know what the outcome was, was going to be. Um, but just talk about those trials you went through and, and some of the biggest lessons that you learned through all those trials. Well, one thing, um, I was glad that I'd settled. The first one came, of course, was, you know, when Ryan was born, our oldest son, and, um, you know, very severe handicap. They told us that he probably would not live through the night. And um, there was a, a myriad of things as a husband, you know, I was concerned about him, concerned about, you know, how my wife was going to handle things and what I could do, you know, or we could do. And then I was concerned about the financial end. I, I knew right away that that was going to be a, a bill that I, um, just didn't know how in the world I would ever pay. But um, again, I had been spending time with the Lord. Uh, this is back, you all would laugh now, but I just recently gotten the Bible on disc. <laughs> now, I think it was, if I remember right, I had it on four discs, three for the New Testament, one for the Old Testament, but you literally had to put a three and a half inch disc in to do searches, but I was, I, to me, it opened up a whole new world. Of course, mm -hmm. we take it for granted now. You can get a Bible program anywhere, but yeah. it used to be, you know, you had to use concordance or whatever, and those weren't necessarily complete, but I like to study phrases. So I'd studied a phrase, and at that time, I thought the most common used phrase in the Bible was, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. In other words, God's always gracious. God's always loving. So the scripture really helped me at the, with him, just knowing that everything God does, he does out of love. Mm -hmm. The second lesson I learned, um, it, it's kind of like I knew, but I practiced. And this one you'll remember a little better, Garrett. But, I, but I've learned when you, go, when you go through trials, you have to ask yourself, what's the temptation here? And the temptation is to, is to become introspective. How do I feel? What am I going through? How will I deal with this? It's all about me. And uh, our church people didn't know how to handle it, but I asked them, please do not, you know, withhold. If you have a burden, don't think my burden is greater because God made us where sometimes the way you handle your burden is by helping somebody with theirs. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like I said the other day with soul winning, 
Um, you know, God made us a promise. When you go give the gospel, he said, Lord, I'm with you always. That's a promise of protection, but it's also a promise of his presence. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that I did not stop um, doing the things that I should be doing, that I continued to minister. You know, the night, the very day we found out that uh, Diane, my wife, was had a brain tumor. You know, it was a very traumatic time. But you remember, Garrett, we sat down. You know, I told the family what was going on. But I told him we were going to carry on as always. And uh, that was Thursday evening. Well, on Thursday evening, we go soul winning. And, and it wasn't, it, it, it was just simply I'd learned. And uh, sure enough, I took Mrs. Lamb with me that evening because she'd had some uh, seizure or uh, what appeared to be seizures. And, and uh, the very first visit, we ran into a lady that, that told us a story. Uh, she was having a medical condition didn't have money to pay it, had nobody to help her. And, and it was just heart wrenching. And, uh, and we both got in the car and just started crying and said, the Lord gave us that visit. And um, so the things I've learned through trials is you cleave to him, but you also continue to do what you do. You know, every pastor has seen people that lose someone that they love and they, their first reaction is to, is to build up walls. They don't, they'll say, well, I don't want to come to church and cry. You know, sometimes you got to show you're human. You know, um, I kept preaching, never missed. But there were times I sat on the, on the podium or sat on the pulp. I'll get it straight here. I sat on the platform and, and you know, I cried some. And if I if I gave the request, I cried. They need to know you're human. But um, also they need to know that, you know, God will help you. Not because you tell them that because you see they see it in your life. Man, so the lessons I learned, God will take care of you. And he always did, you know, if you just trust him. And that's what he wants is just faith. You know, what Satan wants you to do is the opposite. He wants you to shut down. He wants you to say, why me? And if you don't, if you don't minister to other people, pretty soon you'll start thinking, why me? And then you get out there, you know, as we would go to the hospitals, you know, we would look around and there's all kinds of people. And uh, you realize real quickly when we went to spina bifida clinics, we went to cleft palate clinics, um, you know, you were just surrounded with people and, and God let us witness to them and uh, lead them to Christ and help them. And for a long time, the, um, especially with spina bifida, they referred anybody that had a child with spina bifida to us and we were able to, to help them and uh, encourage them. And so sometimes what we don't realize is God, you know, what we think is a burden is God designed it to be a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great testimony. And I know even Dalton, it, it seems like it's, it's a hard time with your hand and stuff. We've joked about it kind of on the podcast before, but um, you know, even stuff like that, it, it's small stuff that, you know, you have come up that you don't expect um, you know, but, but really the Lord was looking over you. And I know that you, you felt that as well um, during that situation. Definitely. Absolutely. And he opens doors left and right. You know, every one of those situations we had with the health needs, I run into people all the time and they, they look at you because Satan has lied to them and they're like, well, you wouldn't understand, you know, as I'm out witnessing or go to the hospital and I, and I say, no, I, I don't understand that. But then you tell them and all of a sudden you can tell the light came on. Well, it's not the same exact scenario but you've been through it also. 
and uh, you still deal with the same emotions and, and everything. So it opens doors for you. Yeah. You know, it, it partly is realizing God doesn't make any mistakes. There'll never be anything coming our life. That's, you know, not a mistake. You know, it was six years ago, this next week, that's a tornado. Of course, I know mm-hmm. there, you know, in, in uh, your area, Dalton, we went mm-hmm. through Bowling Green last Saturday and saw some of the, the devastation. Yes, sir, and uh, they had 12 deaths there, but it was six, it reminded me, it was six years ago this week, mm-hmm. we got hit with a tornado, which is a rare thing in West Virginia. I mean, incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do near the devastation. There were no deaths, but it, it definitely did a number on our buildings. And, and yet when it was all said and done, we got, uh, our buildings were better off. Uh, we actually had money to, you know, a little extra money left over. And um, we found a problem with our, our newest education building with the roof that we never would have found if God hadn't tore it up. So mm-hmm. he tore it up and, and um, act, let us fix a problem. You know, I, we never want to volunteer for trials. And, mm-hmm. um, but we always, if we trust the Lord, it's almost like Job. I, I've never had a case where we went through a major trial. We had a fire at our house in 89. Our son was born in 88. Every trial I've come through, we've come out better when it was over than we did before we went into the trial. Mm-hmm. Man, that's always how God works, doesn't he? <laughs> hey, yes. D- Dalton, how about you give us our la- your last thoughts? Yeah, definitely. And, and I like how pastor, you talked about that. Uh, it just seems like anytime we're going through a hard time and, and we trust the Lord in it, we, we see on the other end, you know, what, what he did and, and how he used that to get, let, get us closer to him. And definitely, um, Definitely some great thoughts there. But as we close things out, uh, I really liked how you talked about uh, just living our life for the Lord, uh, you know, having a walk with him and making sure everything we do is just pleasing to him. And I think if, mm-hmm. if all of us and me included would take more of a thought and more uh, more um, time to think about, you know, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Is it for, for me? Is it for myself or is it for the Lord to please him? You know, whether that's giving out a gospel track to someone I, I, I meet on the street we're knocking on the door or just living my everyday life. I want to make sure it's pleasing to him uh, and not, not just so I uh, please the government or, or please uh, you know, my, how I feel or what other people think about me is just yeah. make sure I'm pleasing the Lord. And I think each and every one of us listeners included uh, make sure we take that home with us. Yeah. I think that's great too. And I, I think that as far as everything that we've asked and, and all the, questions that you've answered dad you know the biggest takeaway is that everything does point back to christ and we can make things about ourselves um listeners i know there's there's problems and trials and and everyday struggles that you have you know you get in a rut you might have a trial that is, is a big deal right now uh, but something i always remember that you always used to say dad while you're preaching is um you put something in front of your face you know you take an object you know maybe you have your phone in front of you and you take that you put that in front of your eyes that's all you can see can only see the phone um, but you really put the phone away from your eyes and you put it back and you can see everything around you you can see the room you can see everything you know what the wall color is and and the illustration is our problems is that phone and we stick it in front of our face and that's all we think about but the more we think about others the less our problem is to us and and that's how christ was you never see him you know taking a moment even while he was on the cross you know about himself was always ministering to others, always thinking of others. Every time you see him in a neighborhood with the multitudes, he was always thinking about others. And so, you know, we really appreciate you coming on dad for a second time and all the thoughts. And I know there's a lot of people that will probably be helped from, from all the thoughts that you gave, but we appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. And if they understand that illustration of putting something in front of you, 
Um, the part I never get to give, you know, because it's, it's primarily uh, pointed toward maybe those in full-time Christian service. But as you put Christ that close, that's all you see. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal is to put it where he's, he's there. He's the primary focus. You don't see, you know, like discouragement or trials or problems. How do you get around them? Well, when you see him, they just fade, they fade away. Mm-hmm. You can't look at the almighty and uh, the all knowing, the all loving without, without your problems fading away. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's great. And listeners, hopefully you were blessed. And uh, this was a, a good interview and uh, can be used to the Lord, but we pray that you would just go back and listen to some of the previous episodes that we've had um, with different topics that we talk about. Even the first part of this interview, um, go back and listen at that. You can get that on any podcast uh, platform that you listen to it. And uh, we appreciate it, but this is the last sign off for us. And for me, Garrett and Dalton, And thank you for being here again, Pastor Lamb. And we will see you all next time. Have a great day in Jesus. All right. Thank you for for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir.